Well, hello and welcome. Welcome, good day or good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to another edition of Atlas Information Live. This uh, is our first live stream in two weeks since we uh, last week we we canceled because of Easter, not least because of our own family commitments, but we imagine most people or many people will have some sort of commitment on Easter. And although it would have been nice to have done a live stream on that particular day, um, being practical and allowing everyone just to do their own thing was probably the uh, wiser approach. But that's not to say that we want to allow the annual celebration of Easter to slip by without some analysis and without sharing with you all some of the important revelations which took place not just not specifically on Easter but around the time the period of Easter including Holy Week and there were some revelations in relationship to our own purpose our own mission here in this life and indeed related to these live streams related to Atlas information related to the book that we have been working on and what the book we have been working on and what book we need to be working on. So oftentimes information comes to us in dribs and drabs. Sometimes it is not, we are not privy to the whole picture or the big picture. Information is on a need-to-know basis, and often we are, it is, it is metered out to us. <clears throat> such that we receive that which we need to know in the moment we need to know it in order to take action. And then a new piece of information will arrive, a new insight, a new source of inspiration. And that will provide greater clarity, greater definition to the information that we already have. So one can think of it in terms of bringing an image into focus over time. At first, you might have a general impression. And as you bring it into greater focus, the clarity, the resolution increases. And as the resolution increases, you have obviously greater clarity as to the details related to whatever it is that you are working on. And that's very much has been the case where the Atlas project is concerned. And the first 
inclina um, inclinations or first aspects of the Atlas project began appearing to us as far back as 35 years ago. And yeah, in our teens. And although we have never lost sight of that initial aspect of the Atlas project, which we called Atlas Arts, the detail, the high resolution revelation around that particular aspect of the Atlas project has not yet been revealed to us. And yet we have been pursuing it for 35 years. The question may be why or how or what madness uh, compelled us to pursue something which was at best a hunch, an inkling, a, a, a feeling. And the simple answer is the strength and power, the intensity, the gravity, the gravitas of these feelings, of these inclinations, and the self-knowledge that went with all of this. We are, as we have said before, we are arc builders. And that word, arc, is misunderstood. Everybody believes that it relates to one of two things. The arc of Noah, which is in our, which is on the background here, or the arc of the covenant. And indeed, it does relate to those two phenomena. But those two phenomena are not what people think they are. The Ark of the Covenant is not a golden box. And the Ark of Noah is not a boat. It is a vessel, both the golden box and Noah's Ark, they are both vessels. They both contain something. And what they contain is of tremendous importance, is of tremendous gravitas, of this tremendous it is what's what is crucial. That is what one puts into an ark. It is that which must endure. It is that which is most precious to us. But of course, if you, if we only think of an ark in its physical expression, 
In other words, the object of the allegory, the object of the metaphor, then we will be misguided, misdirected. We will become attached to some material content of that physical expression, which we call arc. Or we will become attached to some dogmatic belief, like the Ten Commandments, which, according to scripture, are what Moses smashed and put the pieces into the Ark of the Covenant. And this is the problem with most of religion these days, is their attachment to the surface, to the superficial objects of the symbols and allegories themselves, instead of comprehending the essence of what they represent. This, then, is the definition of idolatry, of worshipping idols. That's the very definition of it, because that's what happens. If someone makes a statue of a god, Zeus, Apollo, Athena, Buddha, Jesus, and what happens in religion? The people invariably and inevitably end up worshipping the statue. Christians worship the persona of Jesus. And many Buddhists worship the persona, the personality, the mortal vessel of Buddha that's represented in that statue. Let's get all those born-again Christians. They believe that Jesus, the man, is coming back. That Jesus, the man, their Messiah, is going to return. And that he's going to rule the earth. And it's going to be a thousand years of a, of of his rule in the new golden age relates directly to Jesus the man and so they worship Jesus on the cross or Jesus resurrected or Mary or whatever this is idolatry because they do not comprehend the nature of the Christ <clears throat> the nature of the Buddha or Buddha nature which is what the Buddha in a statue form represents. The enlightened one, the self-realized one, one who has self-realized his Buddha, his, his Buddha nature. Tathagatagarbha. The Buddha is the essence. Before we continue, we're a little bit out of practice, so we forgot to share the link. If you are out there and you wish to participate, you wish to come on and participate in the, uh, as in, as you what might a Zoom call, we've shared the link in the chat, and here it is on screen. We had mentioned that we were working on a book, and that book was focused on fear. And in the process of writing that book, we found <clears throat> the first 
part was completely focused on explaining what ego was. And as we spent more time working on it, we found that we ended up dividing the book into three parts. And part one was basically talking all about what egos are in general. And part three was focused on the alm of life and overcoming egos. The methodology, the analogous ultimate methodology, which we've shared with you many, many times. You know, meditation, self-observation, self-remembering, comprehension, and catharsis. And the middle part would be the one that's actually focused on the nature of fear. But one cannot write a book comprehensively discussing the nature of fear and how to conquer it without addressing the nature of egos in general, of which fear is one, and the alm of life, which is the process of eliminating egos, of which fear is one. One cannot write about one's personal experience living with the demon of fear unless one has spent the time giving the reader the background as to what is in fact a demon and what in, is fear in fact, what is its nature? And how do, does its nature relate to how it operates and functions? Because those things are inseparable. That would be like trying to explain to someone the nature of an SUV without first explaining to them what an automobile is. Right? You cannot understand SUV unless you first understand four-wheeled mechanized motor vehicle. And so much of what we had done and uh, on that book is transferable to the book that we're actually writing. And that revelation came to us uh, over Easter, and over, uh, during Holy Week, in fact. It was Good Friday. And perhaps it is appropriate because Good Friday is the day of death, the day of the crucifixion. The day which that which we believe that we were working on or that which we were attached to or that which we were identified with dies and on sunday that which we must be our new self our our actual project is born so the book that we're writing will 
of course, it will be dealing with egos and how to overcome them. Precisely those aspects of this book, which we had been working on. So we were not allowed to waste any of our time or effort or energy. But the time simply came to reveal to us the significance, the true significance of what we were working on and what we've been working on. And that brings us to the, the Atlas project and how hopefully we will be able to reveal to you and to everyone a summary video explaining the different facets and the different aspects in a totality which we've done here on this live stream in the past in a limited way. And we're going to be doing that in a more comprehensive way. Because I'm sure you are, you are all aware of what's been happening in the world. And we're sure you are cognizant and sensitive to the suffering and the intensification of the global situation and how that global circumstance translates to individuals and communities, how the macrocosm is intimately related to the microcosm. You may be feeling these effects in a very intimate, personal way. Have they finally have the first nice day here so what you just heard there if you heard it at all was the uh the ice cream truck making its rounds in the neighborhood i swear this summer you know we might we might end up in world war three but that ice cream truck is still going to come around to interrupt our live streams But there are changes coming. The winds of change are blowing. And the suffering that individuals are enduring has only just begun. And even though the lockdowns have eased most of the places around the world, and so we seem to have come out of the apparent covidiacy, or at least temporarily, until some new version of it manifests. This humanity is not prepared, not by a long shot, 
It's not prepared for what's coming. And this humanity is not equipped. It's not equipped to manage itself. And it's not, it's from its institutions right down to its beliefs and its practices at the microcosmic level, meaning on the personal individual level. This humanity is not prepared for what is coming. And this brings us to this discussion of the ark. We've, um, pardon us while we get some of this stuff sorted out here. We're a little bit out of practice, being that it's been two weeks since our last live stream. And um, we are uh, trying to... Now, I did say that I want to use presenter mode. Okay. So let's try this. And put this on. Laser pointer. Okay. So we just need to share our screen now. All right, that wasn't too that wasn't too painful. No, it went away. Let's try this again. Okay. And click that. Okay. We've showed you this meme before. It's a Larson cartoon for our side with God berating Noah for building an arch instead of an ark. But the thing is, is that the two words are related. And that's what we explain here in the meme. In the tree of life, the tree of life reveals what the ark truly means. And the reason why the, the, the joke being funny is funny, but it's, it's funny because it's true. Because an arch is precisely the unification of the two pillars, the two pillars on either side. It is the arch, which is the strongest form of architecture and the strongest form in nature, which creates the portal, the gateway, the entrance into the holiest of holies, the entrance, the gate into the temple, the narrow gate into the kingdom of heaven. It is precisely that arch so that arch or that it, which is made from an arc because a, an arch is simply an arc made out of stone or wood or whatever. But the geometric form of an arch is called an arc. And that is why on the Ark of the Covenant, we have the two angels whose wings come out and meet at their tips. You see, they form the arch. 
This is also known as the edifice. The edifice. That is that triangular form at the top of the entranceway of, of ancient temples of, of Greece and Rome. So the pillars uphold this edifice, this triangular arch, really. And in the tree of life, that's Keter, Hokman, Bina, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva. Any trinity, any triunity. And on either side, upholding the edifice, are the twins, the two pillars of the tree of life. And below the edifice, in this square, it's not exactly square, rectangular portion of the tree of life, we have Da'at, which is Gnosis, the hidden Sephira on the tree of life. Below Da'at, we have an inverted triangle. This triunity, it's another triunity, it's another trinity. This triunity is made up of Chesed, Gebura, Tipereth. This we refer to in esotericism as the monad. What is the monad? The monad is the divine vessel of being. It is our divine soul. It is the monad is that which contains our innermost and our consciousness and the will of our innermost being. The monad is our true self. The divine vessel in which our true self travels from lifetime to lifetime. So in other words, it is the vessel which endures calamity and catastrophe. It is the vessel which survives death and destruction. It is an ark. Here we see, right, the boat, the vessel. And above it, we see the arch the ar and the two pillars. And in the middle, that which is contained within the ark. You have the box, which is the ark of the covenant, which is capped by the two, by the, by the, 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 the lid. And on top of the lid are the two angels whose whose wingtips are touching and they form the arch. And then beneath it, you have Noah's Ark. And both Noah's Ark 
and the Ark of the Covenant contain the same thing. That which is most precious to us. And you notice how the Star of David is two triangles which are interconnected. The upper trinity and the lower trinity united in union with that gnosis. That's why arch is appropriate. As appropriate as arc. The two words are intimately related. And it is just so happens that does everyone see that? Does everybody does anybody have any questions about this? The nature of that, I mean, what goes into the Ark of the Covenant is the law, the word. Right? The the, the yes, the Ten Commandments, but it's the word of God. It's the it's the knowledge, it's the law. That is what's inside the ark. That's da'at, that's gnosis, that's knowledge. And specifically, that knowledge relates to sexuality, laws of creation, the laws of Christification, which is the union of masculine and feminine, the law of three, the creative law of the universe. In other words, the law which governs the very trinities which unite to create knowledge, the knowledge of Tantra, in other words. That knowledge, and that's why all of, of male and female and what it takes to create, to repopulate the world, and what does it take to preserve the knowledge? What is the essential foundational knowledge? That's knowledge of gnosis, but it's the knowledge of the power to create and the knowledge of the Christ. But that knowledge is not an intellectual knowledge. That's it. That is an intimate, direct, conscious knowledge. It is experiential knowledge. It is that which we seek. So, what we have been working on is Um, where did you guys go? 
there you go. What we've been working on is a PowerPoint presentation, which is going to be saved as a video. And we're going to zip through actually to the end. And share the seven keys to the Atlas project. Now, what should become striking at first glance is in the context of what we just spoke about. The two trinities united as one. You see that here, you see the star of David. And in the process of doing so, we have six phenomena and in the center, in the heart, we have dot, we have gnosis. We have we're going to uh there's our we have self evident experiential knowledge. That's that, that's gnosis. And we explain what these two trinities practically mean. When we refer to the two pillars in balanced union, we have the pillars of creation. So when we talk about two pillars, there are many, many pillars. When we talk about the tree of life, the pillars are, uh, are mercy and severity, Jacqueline and Boaz. But those pillars, that duality reflects itself in many, many different forms. So for example, the law of creation, masculine and feminine, the union of masculine and feminine. We have love, we have severity and mercy. And we have the twin pillars of our world. We have the macrocosm and we have the microcosm. We also have the forces of nature, right? Negative and positive forces, for example, in electricity. We also have death and birth. We have the physical and metaphysical. We have many different pillars which exist in this duality and we have currents which run through those, th those um, and they are alternating between those two poles. 
But in that alternation of those currents, we see the forces that which power our world. Forces, for example, like politics, economics, biology, psychology, culture, etc. And the movement between the pillars, between these dualities, between good and evil, pleasure and pain. We call that the law of the pendulum. One of these expressions that people are living with right now, of course, is the dialectic between left and right, the political spectrum. And generally speaking, when it comes to the law of the pendulum, even in politics, left and right is in balance and that pendulum swings back and forth. But if any side wants the pendulum stuck and we get into extremism, extremism on the left or extremism on the right, the whole system falls out of balance. And what happens is we see our world plunged into darkness. And we know that very well from experience. So other extreme, you know, the minority and the majority, haves and the have-nots, they're suffering on all sides. And the main dichotomy, the main duality which we are stuck on in the law of the pendulum is between craving and aversion. And both of those extremes, just like in light, left and right, doesn't matter which extreme you're in, extreme craving or extreme aversion, you're still in extreme desire and you're suffering. There's a whole full spectrum of suffering. So as we've discussed many times, the goal is to get off the pendulum. Because as you can see, the full spectrum of suffering is swinging between one aspect of desire and another. But it's all desire. It's all suffering. To be on the law of the pendulum is all suffering. But at the top, we have the still point, And we have C words. Consciousness and compassion. And that is the apex. The inflection point. The pivot point. And if we can move up the string from the weight of the pendulum towards the apex, towards that pivot point, that still point of consciousness and compassion. It is the difference between being caught in the storm and being in the lighthouse, which we have discussed many times. But if we can accomplish that, we can get off the pendulum and we can see our world in a new light. And when we see our world in a new light, we can seek the light of the world. This 
now you know the logo of the Atlas Project and why it is what it is. You've just seen it materialize for the first time, perhaps. And why it has to be what it is. To seek the light of the world, we seek self-evident experiential knowledge. And we seek the light of reconciliation between left and right. And we see balance return. And we see the true forces of nature. See, we see the nature of true love. We see the true nature of life. We see truth and light in all things. To see truth and light in all things, we seek not what divides us. For example, pleasure and pain, haves and have-nots, belief and denial. We seek the light which unites us all. The key enlightened enterprises and solutions which are the keys to seek win-win-win scenarios. So to see your world in a new light, you seek, we seek the light of the world. And that is the Atlas Project. To tap the win-win-wins, we seek keys. Key enlightened enterprises and solutions. Those in the physical world we see, and in the metaphysical world we seek. And again, we are showing how the two trinities, the two arcs, are intimately related to the two pillars. This, what you are seeing before you now, is the Ark of the Covenant and the Ark of Noah for this humanity. These are the keys, K-E-E-S, which is seek reversed, self-evident experiential knowledge of the key enlightened, key, no, key enterprises and uh, solutions. Because the world is swinging on this pendulum. And we want to move individuals to the still point of C words and get them off the pendulum and into balance. The C words of consciousness and compassion. The first C, well, that's the arch. And the second C, that's the arc. And when you combine the arch and the arc and the six and all seven keys, you get a portal to the golden age. This is also can be understood as the light of comprehension, the pillar of light in between the two pillars, the pillar of the external world, the physical world we see, and the internal world, the metaphysical world we seek. These are the two pillars, Jacqueline and Boaz. And the third pillar, the pillar of light in between them, which is the portal 
it's tapped by the arch and enclosed by the arc. Tesla said, if only you knew the magnificence of the three, the six, and the nine, then you would have the keys to the universe. These are the nine elements, the nine keys. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Keys to seeing the source of light which unites us all. And then we get into the individual keys, which we won't go through now, but we go through all of them, explaining how each individual one. The first one is Ecosystem Advanced Human Habitat, or ISA. And this presentation, this PowerPoint, which, as we said, we are is going to become a video. It's being constructed that way so that it can be a video. The goal is to create a, an overview for the purposes of communicating with, uh, hopefully, a potential publisher. We are hoping that on the strength of our uh, summary and on the strength of this video, this visual overview, this visual aid that gives an overview of the, uh, the Atlas project, that uh, it is our hope that we might be able to get in advance. But even if we can't, even if we don't, we have before us the the overview the the visual uh summary if you will which which as you can see incorporates all of the the different uh uh commercial enterprises or or at least marketing branding elements associated with each one of the the keys and they are isa right ecosystem advanced human habitat we have social environmental economic valuation that's sieve we have seed or society engaged electronic democracy and then down here we have seams which is spiritually and uh, sorry, sorry sound empowered enlightened metaphysical science and we have spiritually enlightened education and culture that's cc remember the two c's compassion and consciousness and finally, we have Iaums, which is the analogous ultimate methodology, but being practiced by individual individuals. So you have individual analogs observing the ultimate methodology. That's Iaums. These are all mantras. They don't, they're not just acronyms, they are mantras. 
and they all have meaning in and of themselves. And all of this comes out of that objective fact. Oh, and of course, we have self-evident experiential knowledge at the center and see visual aid. So CV aid, see visual aid, which is to strategize, engage and execute with virtual interactive uh, simulation and actionable intelligence discourse. Basically, see visual aid is uh, just a a more intellectual way of expressing how we must return to a more hieroglyphic form of communication, a more visual, symbolic, but actionable form of communication, as is evidenced by this presentation itself, as is evidenced by the power of combining simple singular words and concepts with a very, again, simple visual representation and the power of that. And then when you combine that with the, which, with the power of sound, the power of mantra, then we have a foundation which is much stronger than what we are currently working with, which is a purely intellectual or conceptual framework based around beliefs and definitions. And it, it's wide open for interpretation, misinterpretation and miscommunication. This, what we are working on, what we are producing here is beyond misunderstanding. Someone would have to be irrational and unreasonable to fill this with interpretations that do not belong, that are inapplicable. And they are just flat out wrong interpretations. They're incorrect. People are not, people are not entitled to their interpretations. No, they are not, period. People can fantasize all they want. People can believe all sorts of nonsense. They're entitled to do that. But what they are not entitled to do is have their fantasies and false beliefs recognized as valid by everybody else. They're not, they're not valid. They are wrong. And we must stop this nonsense of treating everyone like bratty children like that like uh veruca salt from charlie and the chocolate factory it is time for this humanity to recognize that it's it, it is in its twilight years but it is still behaving as children in a schoolyard that is a fact that is an undeniable fact. Anybody who denies that fact is living in denial, is living in a fantasy world. We are an arc builder, the Atlas Project is here to establish the foundations for the arc 
for this humanity. And as you can see, it relates directly to the arc within all of us. Because the upper trinity and the lower trinity united. And what is at the center? Da'at, Gnosis. And what is in the center of our arc? Self-evident experiential knowledge. And the language with which to communicate it, to share it, to capture it, encapsulate it. What goes into the arc? The knowledge. And what is that knowledge of? Of union between opposites. The knowledge of being able to live and structure society and culture and science, democracy, around the truth and knowledge of trinary thinking, of the triunity truth of the universe. To move beyond the duality of the two pillars, pleasure and pain, right and wrong, haves and have-nots, into the Tao, which is beyond good and evil. That is that. That is Gnosis. That is the arc which awaits each and every one of us within, in microcosm. But we must be practical and we must recognize, right? So there's the arc in microcosm. And here is the arc in macrocosm. Because we must be practical. We must show as without, so within. As within, so without. So of course, we have been led to this place to be able to show you this. Only because we have been working on building the arc within ourselves, but that building the arc within ourselves has been intimately, intimately interrelated with the Atlas Project. The first, the first of our uh, Atlas Projects was, of course, was Atlas Arts. And CC, Spiritually Enlightened Education and Culture, right? Spiritual Arts. This was, this is what we, why we went into English and drama in university. Because it was, we had the vision of artistic and cultural enterprises, which enriched and enlightened as they educated the population because they were 
they were it, it was high art that we felt deep 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 in the very essence of our being that this humanity so desperately needs not content we are sick and tired of hearing that word content this humanity consumes gorges itself like a swine at a trough on this meaningless empty dribble this 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 these streaming services and this internet and and this constant flow of garbage and they belly up to that trough and they stick their snot their snoot snout in the, in the in the middle of that of that uh, uh, slop content oh the public needs content we need to populate our streaming services with more content completely empty devoid of any value the vast majority of it anyway there are exceptions of course there are exceptions because god works with the clay that's on the wheel and everyone's monad is constantly trying to reach them and constantly trying to work through them so there are always glimmers of beauty and truth sprinkled you know even even in the garbage you can find the diamond in the rough right But imagine if with a recalibration, imagine if the world could be given a vision, not just a vision, but a plan and instructions, a how-to guide on how to make these things possible, how they are possible, how they are doable, achievable, the direction that we can go in to make it all happen. This, brothers and sisters, this is the book that we have to write. This is the book that we're writing. And all the stuff, all the work that we've done up until now on the book uh, about fear was related to the alm of life and the nature of egos. And all of that is going to come right here into the discussion of the analogous ultimate methodology and individuals functioning in that space. Because after all, all of that relates to Atlas information and these live streams. And all the information that we've shared with you related to overcoming trauma two weeks ago and working with mantras, uh, pranayama, transmutation, the elements, alchemy, and you name it. 
meditation, self-observation, self-remembering, comprehension, the, the transformation of impressions, all of that, all of that relates to this key, which is at the pinnacle, the apex of the pillar of heaven. And the apex, the foundation of the pillar of earth is Isa. Now, Isa, of course, if you don't mind us jumping around here, that's not the one we wanted. If you don't mind us jumping around here, we will um, oh. we can um, go up to here. Well, you know, we might as well just, why not? Okay, so the first key, now, by the way, this is all a work in progress, so some things might not perfectly work. Um, ecosystem advanced human habitat. Let's, uh, let's make this bigger for you. This is at the apex of the pillar of earth, or the, or the pillar of earth, or the, the physical pillar. It's at the apex, it's at the, it's the foundation of the other two and it is the opposite of the eons right the individuals who are at the apex of the pillar of heaven and the reason why that is will become apparent shortly but isa is based on the pillars of nature and nurture Envi these are both environments our external environment and our internal environment. So what we call our indoor habitat and the body and mind we inhabit. These are the two pillars of Isa. One is nature and one is nurture, right? Because we nurture our psychology, but our indoor habitats are an environment. And does that environment support and nurture us? Or do we all live as we as we all do currently in sick habitats? All our all buildings around the world today suffer from sick building syndrome. They are ecosystems of polluted indoor air created by all sorts of toxic uh, off-gassing and and there's allergens and there's uh, uh, toxic molds and fungus and you name it because it's it's a perfect it's an anti-ecosystem right it's not a living ecosystem it's an ecosystem of death it's negative chaos and all created by all of this this uh, uh, technological monstrosities and chemical monstrosities that we've chosen to put into our into our homes 
and they cause very real physical problems. These are very uh, real, actual physical symptoms of sick building syndrome. So, the, so uh, sick building syndrome has physical effects, which science sees. But then there are also metaphysical effects, which science still seeks. Doesn't, doesn't know about these, or at least it's, it's searching for them. So what are the metaphysical effects of sick building syndrome? Well, we all know that we are energy and that when we have positive energy, we are productive and creative. We are energized. We are, we are at our best. But we also know that we can have negative energy and bad vibes and stress, anxiety, depression. All of that happens when our, our, our energy is, is, is negative. So the, metaph metaph the metaphysical effects of sick building syndrome is that we end up with a kind of black hole, a well sucking the life out of us. It's an energy drain. And it creates stress, anxiety, and depression when we are in an environment, in our habitat, which is, which is generating negative energy fields. And it's draining us of the positive energy we have. To reverse the effects of sick building syndrome, we need to employ building ecosystems and technology. To reverse the physical effects we see, but also to support the metaphysical effects we seek. And that means creating a space of love, an ecosystem advanced human habitat high order rainforest ecosystems at the at the heart of the uh, of a building complex supported by uh, umbilical systems which are connected to the central ecosystem and allow the ecosystem to expand into a larger field and create a larger space of love and our vision for this looks a little something like this where you have a central ecosystem dome and then these what we call pea pods or living pods arranged around it. It's our ecodome and pea pods. So that shared ecodome has a multi-story sh shared space of love with a high order rainforest ecosystem at its very heart. And this is a shared space that any of the residents at any time can come into and, and enjoy. We even have this spiral ramp uh, arranged around the ecosystem so that people can go up into the canopy and they can go jogging on that ramp or, you know, they can they can spend meaningful time in that space of love. This is just a, a rendering from the bottom looking up at the it's a pyramid. We, we envision the uh, this ecosystem to be a pyramidal uh, shape. And what we've also considered is an interior meditation and treatment room right inside the heart of the ecosystem itself, where you'll be able to enter in. Just imagine meditating in the heart of this living superorganism that's generating the space of love and being able to go into the very heart of the pyramid where all of the points intersect in perfect harmony and perfect alignment 
and in the right there at that point that's where you lay your head down on the pillow and this room can be used for reiki used for meditation can be used for massage can be used for any number of things but the point is is that where you place your head down on the pillow is exactly at the very very heart of the pyramid and that pyramid is supporting a high order rainforest ecosystem a space of love so now you start to appreciate how we are uniting nature in her highest expression with that nurture these physical with the metaphysical and combining and aligning the two in perfect balanced harmony as an ecosystem is a true ecosystem is collective harmony and symbiosis so we have the central shared ecosystem plus residential or commercial units so we have ecodome and uh, pea pods the pea pods themselves can be highly configurable to different size families different size needs they can be single or multi-story spaces of love So this is how we arrive at our vision for ecosystem advanced human habitat, which is ESA. Now, the thing about ESA is that you can't spell ESA without AH, which means affordable housing. And that's one of the mandates of Peapod Life and of, of the Atlas Project is we have a business model which allows certain units to be used as short-term vacation rentals. And the revenue from the short-term vacation rental units will offset and subsidize to create affordable rental units. And this is all in one compound. This is all in one uh, ecodome. So there's no, it's, we're not creating any ghettos here. Every single peapod that we want to do will have built-in affordable housing and it'll be subsidized which means it'll be viable because we have to be infinitely practical. This needs to be self-supporting, self-sustaining, but also to be able to proliferate to, so we can build more of these. The affordable housing uh, aspect, we even have a, um, a non-for-profit uh, registered, which is called Genesis Eco Fund. That's one of its mandates is affordable housing. So here we have, and so Genesis, its other ma mandates are accessibility, education, and research and development um, of ecosystem advanced human habitat into the health and wellness benefits, the physical and metaphysical. So Genesis has that as a mandate to be able to, um, that's its focus, is to be that nonprofit educational accessibility arm to and also to do more research and development into being able to demonstrate to the scientific community the benefits of ecosystem and why advanced human habitat is not only habitat, it's not only advanced habitat for humans, but it's habitat to create advanced humans because of the nurturing aspect of it. So, so yeah, these benefits include the improved, improved air quality, the reversal of sick building syndrome, and to enhance well-being and cognitive function. That's that, the metaphysical. So again, nature 
advanced habitat for humans and nurture the habitat for advanced humans. All right, so that's how now from here, all of this is to support the microcosm. Now the thing about including the, the physical and the metaphysical benefits. And when you support the microcosm, you support the macrocosm because healthy people lead to healthy places, lead to a healthy planet, they, that connection. So it's, that's the, the, the big picture and the true benefits and essence of ecosystem self-organizing infinite complexity balanced with collective harmony and symbiosis. These are the two pillars of ecosystem itself. These are the essence of ecosystem. Self-organizing infinite complexity and collective harmony and symbiosis. Imagine raising and educating children, families, communities within that matrix. Look at the world we live in, right? And all the complexity and all the problems and everything else. And, and just these two pillars... Imagine being raised within an energy field, within a space of love, whose essence of existence, of being, is based on these two pillars. Imagine how that might influence and affect the consciousness of those individuals, of those children being raised and educated within that space of love, within that energy field. That is ESA, Ecosystem Advanced Human Habitat, ESA. So why ESA? You ever heard of the Mona Lisa? Did you know that the Mona Lisa is Mona Isa, my Isis? It's my divine mother. Isa is the epitome of the divine feminine force. Who is it? What is it? Which embodies the essences of nature and nurture more than, than the divine feminine. In macrocosm and in microcosm. That is Isa. Ecosystem advanced human habitat. And we have the two entities commercially to build these things and the non-for-profit to educate and create accessibility to do ongoing research into how else we can integrate Isa into the way we live our lives. That is the foundation. And that is why it is the foundation of the pillar of Earth and the Atlas Project.
And that's why it's Isa, Isis, the Divine Mother. Peapod life, this, 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 this key, the first of the Atlas project is a practical, practical embodiment of the essences of the divine feminine, of nature, of nurture, of self-organizing infinite complexity in a space of love, of collective harmony and symbiosis. It is a practical physical embodiment of that. And the and and giving it to humanity. So humanity can start building around these things. And originally we had envisioned those pea pods to be made out of shipping containers, which are everywhere all over the world in huge abundance there's a surplus of shipping containers around the world and the central dome is made of glass which is sand The point, the important part, is the arrangement and the situation of the ecosystem. To live in harmony with nature, but not just nature in any form, but nature in her highest expression. In a self-organizing rainforest ecosystem. Our ecosystems are modeled after those spaces in nature along ley lines and meridians where the ancients built their temples because those places in the jungle, the jungle is a harsh, terrible place that'll eat you alive. But then there are those places where it just opens up in a wide open space of love and you just feel the energy there and it's there's something sacred there's something magical and beautiful in that place in that space and 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 the uh the ancients said yeah that's where we're going to build our pyramid that's where we're going to build our temple because there's there's the energy here is just incredible That is the energy that we are not replicating. We are allowing nature to express it. And what we are doing is giving it the support that it needs to be able to achieve its highest expression to allow the ecosystem to self-realize its greatest potential of self-organizing infinite complexity 
and collective harmony and symbiosis. Allegorically, esoterically, metaphysically, whatever you want to call it, Atlas upholds the pillars of heaven and earth. You know that you know Atlas holds the the earth on his shoulders. That's that's his thing, right? You've always seen Atlas, you know, carrying the earth on his back. Everything that Atlas is about is is about that. Because we are basically putting nature on Mars here. That's to, to put nature indoors is like trying to put life on Mars because our indoor spaces are completely toxic and completely antithetical to life, uh, to an ecosystem anyway. A rainforest ecosystem is so delicate and precise. If you, if you put tap water on it, it'll die. It'll die. If you put tap water on an, in an ecosystem, try it. Try creating your own little ecosystem in a fishbowl. And try putting tap water into it and see what happens. So by giving the ecosystem, by creating the foundation and supporting it in the best way we know how, and that includes the expertise which is self-evident experiential knowledge gained over a lifetime of working with plants and animals. That's our ecosystem guru. That's his name is Wolfgang. He, uh, his company is called Genetron Systems, and they're they the ecosystem um, experts who we work with with Peapod Life. They're our partner in the Atlas Project. They're a partner in Peapod Life. And it's his know-how and his knowledge, which we also are going to incorporate into Genesis in order to, for him to be able to teach others what he knows. So when we're assembling these things and trying to roll these things out around the planet, that Wolfgang's knowledge also gets transferred in the process. Because again, two things go inside an ark. Living things, yes, nature, if you want to take Noah's ark, at the literal face value, that which is required to be able to reestablish a humanity after the great catastrophe. But the other thing that goes into the ark, as we've already discussed, is knowledge, that, gnosis. But it's self-evident experiential knowledge. It is a knowledge accumulated over a lifetime. And in this case, it's how to do ecosystems indoors because as time progresses and the uh, environment becomes less and less hospitable to human beings outdoors outside due to more extreme weather more extreme uh, droughts, more extreme cold, uh, uh, storms, uh, you know, who knows what kind of plagues are going to be stirred up because of extreme weather, extreme moisture, extreme sudden changes in climate. Who knows what kind of catastrophic plagues are going to come with that? 
And who knows if there's going to be, God forbid, a release of, of atomic weapons. And then we will have to be dealing with that fallout on top of everything else. Suffice it to say, it would be advantageous to be able to have an indoor habitat which truly supported the well-being of its residents. And incidentally, in some of the buildings where uh, Wolfgang has ecosystems installed, when they did uh, indoor air quality measurements, buildings that were located in Montreal, Canada, the indoor air quality was superior to outside. You will not find that anywhere in the world. You cannot go into a building anywhere in the world and find indoor air quality, which is superior to outside. You will not do it. You cannot find it. Unless you go into a clean room laboratory where they literally sucked everything out of it. But there you're, but there you're in a laboratory. It's completely devoid of life. It has, it's, it's, and it's, it's, the energy of that place is all wrong because of the fact that there's no real life there and all of the lighting and everything else and all the, all the technological uh, uh, jumping through hoops that they have to achieve to create a so-called clean room makes it an absolute horrible place to be in. You would never want to live in a place like that. It's completely sterile. It is, but it's sterile in the worst possible way. So, our ecosystems are clean, healthy, fresh air, like you get in the best places outdoors in nature, the far, as far away from cities as you can possibly get. We can create that indoors in an urban environment, in an urban setting. We can put one of these pods, we could we can put one of these on the roof of a building in downtown Manhattan or in anywhere. And we can have indoor air quality that's superior to outside as one example. And as that outdoor air quality gets worse and the outdoor environment becomes more deteriorated, then, then we have a practical means in order to be able to have a uh, self-organizing, regenerative, life supporting, but also energy and consciousness supporting space of love moving forward. And it's Isa, Mona Isa, my divine mother, my Isis. All of that is packed and packaged into this one aspect of the atlas project and there are seven of these this is only one but all of this needs to be written down and written out this vision has to be presented to the world in a in a succinct way and it needs to proliferate 
we need to work with a publisher. We can't just rely on YouTube and we can't rely on just doing this ourselves and self-publishing and all that kind of stuff because we did that. We tried that. And it's, it's simply not practical because we also have to have the ability to go on tour and speak to people one-on-one -on -one and speak to them in audiences live and take this presentation and subsequent presentations which will fall out of working on the book with more detail and greater uh, clarity right that that re that high resolution right because all of this is just a very very broad general discussion right because this is just a summary that we're working on right now a summary an overview right and then each one each chapter will need its own video its own uh overview so it's going to be layers and layers and layers and layers and you peel back the layers you get into more layers and more detail but this is what we're working on this is what we need to continue working on and what we are going to be sharing with you um as we move forward is more and more it will be related to this larger uh enterprise even as we continue on doing what we've been doing so far in the microcosm. So working on ourselves, building the arc inside of ourselves, because at the end of the day, no amount of arc building out there is going to matter if we do not build the arc of the covenant within ourselves because in a very practical and meaningful way Well, if you have heard of the seed arc, have you heard of the seed arc? It is a vault that is, if we have our information correctly, it is a, it is a vault beneath the permafrost line somewhere in Scandinavia in the, within the Arctic Circle and where all manner of heirloom seeds are kept in a protected environmentally controlled vault it's a seed arc and the concept is of course is that should some 
great calamity befall this humanity, this humanity or the next humanity or, or the survivors, as this humanity thinks about it, this, the, the survivors from this humanity should have a store of seeds that they can turn to and use to reestablish agriculture. Reestablish because all of the seeds that are in the seed vault are, are of course, uh, uh, precious foodstuffs. The the, of course you know the, the corn and the wheat and and all all the rest of it, rye and and fruits and etc. 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 Now, it is my understanding that this vault is devoid of genetically modified seed that it is to the best of our knowledge heirloom seeds and the best quality seeds that they could find because if you're going to put away something for a rainy day surely you're going to put away your best you're not going to gamble the future on some crappy frankenfruit seed, which you have no idea whether or not it's gonna, how well it's gonna do. You're gonna, you're, and you're gonna, you're gonna try to put away the hardiest, most resilient, the most genetically diverse seed. The same can be said for any arc. And the same can be said for the Atlas project. Ultimately, the reason why we need to write this book is and to, and to complete the video that we're working on now and get it on our website and get it on YouTube and 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 break it up into individual parts which we can share you know, through Instagram and different social media and so on. Um, is we need to attract seeds specifically EAOMs, individuals observing analogous ultimate methodology. EAOMs. Eaums, by the way, if those sounds sound familiar to you, it is because they are the mantra mantras of Eaums. They're the mantras of the chakras, and then Eaums is someone who is illuminating their chakras, awakening and opening their chakras, illuminating their spinal column. They are raising themselves from the pendulum in the root chakra that grounds them here in their animal sexuality and their desire and raising it up into their third eye and crown chakra of the pineal gland and opening their third eye and getting to the still point of C words right? The C words, compassion, yes, and consciousness, of course. 
but then there are also C words. that are all based on compassion and consciousness. They are everything here, everything in the Atlas project was born of that portal between the pillars of severity and mercy. This is the pillar of light. These seven, as in seven chakras, seven notes, seven octaves, these seven keys, pillar of light, these C words, so we need to put a book out there and work with a publisher who will send us on a speaking tour so that we can shine this beacon of light, we can, we can plant this pillar of light and let this pillar of light glow and shine and allow the resplendence that is bringing it into the world to allow that resplendence to shine and spread throughout the world so that the eaums the seeds the beautiful butterfly who are undergoing their own individual transmutations, transformations, and metamorphoses, that those butterflies shall be attracted to this pillar of light like moths to the flame. And some of those butterflies some of those moths will have the resources, will have wealth, will have influence, will have power. There will be among them those who can bring those practical worldly resources to bear to help us build and create and realize in bricks and mortar and in flesh and blood and in technology and in all the other platforms that are required to make these seven things happen. Um, we, we must be infinitely practical in other words. And in order to be practical, in this world, that means working within the paradigms and working within the boundaries and working with the systems that we have to work with. God works with the clay that's on the wheel. For our part, this is what we must do. We can't, you cannot attract investment. You cannot attract partners. You cannot attract moths to the flame unless you build that pillar of light. You have to put that pillar of light out there. 
and that's our job that's 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 this is our work you can't build an ark without blueprints so we have been given the blueprints now we just have to tell the story we have to draw the blueprints up and we have to put the blueprints out there and that's that's the work that that we have to do in the work that we're doing the reason why we're doing this video and this presentation first is again because we can't do this alone and um we this this video stuff takes for us forever and we need to be working on writing the book um it is our hope that by doing this video and combining it with our presentation to literary agents and then to publishers that a publisher will step up to the plate and be willing to back us by by uh giving us an advance on the book and that that would give us the financial wherewithal to be able to outsource some of the work that we have to do like the visual work some of the design work etc cetera, etc cetera, so that we're not stuck trying to do this by ourselves we can't do we can't do this alone it's 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 too much for one person it's not our place to try to do everything by ourselves that's not why we're here but we finally have crystallized to at least this state that you see before you something whose foundation is beyond reproach and whose foundation cannot be cannot be undermined and cannot be undone the foundation of the atlas project is pure light is pure love it's the very pillars of the tree of life which is at the heart of every single being on this planet every monad every atom has within it the tree of life and as we have shown you our ark our ark is born of that ark the ark which is inside of you which is inside of us all of us the ark of the covenant in microcosm that every monad is the ark of noah and every monad longs to be united in that with the arch the ark of the covenant this this self-realization you in your highest expression that is the foundation for the atlas project
which is humanity in its highest expression. Because microcosm produces macrocosm. A building takes the form and shape of its foundation. It cannot be any other way. The whole universe, the whole world, all our experience are based. Every form is based on the unformed essences of form in the world of absolute, in the world of archetypes. Now we have sh sh shared with you the archetype, the foundation for the Atlas project. And that foundation cannot be undermined, cannot be undone. We did not make this up. This is not a product of our ego. Because surely, surely, our ego would have chosen something easier, something a little bit more bite-sized, manageable, doable, realistic. And surely our ego wouldn't have picked something from the get-go, from the age of 15, and spent 35 years suffering, trying to bring it to life, only to get to the point that you see now where it's still just vaporware. It's still just a PowerPoint presentation. And if we're lucky a year from now, it'll be a published book, if we're lucky, if we're blessed, if the stars are in alignment and our Divine Mother sees fit to furnish us with that path. But we are being told to pursue it. We are being told to create the video and do what we've shown you and what will be you'll be seeing more of. And we're not become we're not getting attached to any particular outcome, but we're being told to pursue that path. If this was an enterprise of ego, we think we would have chosen something a little bit more saleable, marketable. What's the word? Easier, quicker. But we didn't choose. This path was chosen, or to say, I didn't choose. This path was chosen for me. And we we are simply being because perhaps we cannot communicate effectively to you when we say what you are seeing here represents the pillar of light. We cannot effectively communicate 
the intensity with which that light, which is behind all you see here on the screen, the intensity with which that light shines and which drives us to, to see this realized for the sake of suffering humanity. And as, as outlandish as it may seem, as ridiculous, as uh, megalomaniacal or naive, hopelessly naive, because we recognize it is all those things. But again, we we have never, never seen any of that as, as, as being an impediment. We have always, always, somehow, for whatever reason, seen this planet and all its problems, that everybody seems to suffer so terrible and scratch their head and they wail and gnash their teeth and, and, and brood over, oh, this problem and that problem, and oh, we don't know what to do, and it's un insurmountable, and it's so complex. And so For us, it has always been self-evident as simple and easy. Simple and easy. People make things far more difficult and complicated than they need to be. And we, we're not naive. We know why that is. We've talked enough here about ego. We've talked enough here about the Black Lodge. You know that we are not living with blinders on or we're not living in a, in a fantasy world. We know what the force is out there and what they're, they're charged to do. But for whatever reason, we can't give you the reason. I don't know the reason. I've always known that that opposition, those obstacles, those hindrances, that adversary is not insurmountable. And because what we are talking about here is beyond good and evil. It is beyond the Tao. It is the Tao. And we talk about reconciliation because that is the essence of the law of three. Where the two pillars are holy affirmation and holy negation the third pillar, the pillar of light, which unites them is holy reconciliation. The trinary way, the third way, the middle way, which unites and, and creates of these, this apparent duality, this whole new reality, this whole new world of possibilities. Well, guess what? between White Lodge and Black Lodge, 
in that holy reconciliation is born that new reality so everything here is a wide open invitation for whomever to come and be a part of it if this is what they are prepared to commit and dedicate themselves to to that reconciliation but the million the billionaires are building bunkers and they're building rockets into space so we know that survival is on their mind they have everything to lose we are arc builders but for you brothers and sisters your takeaway from all of this at this juncture we cannot emphasize enough Continue your work on yourself. Continue building the ark within. If we can be of assistance, helping you in that process, that has been our goal up until this moment. And we will continue to do so. We will continue to share with you as we can and as we continue to work on the sections of our book that relates to Iaums, the alm of life and, and self-evident experiential knowledge as we work on those parts of the book and as we work on on creating visualizations and presentations and videos related to those aspects of the atlas project those we will continue to share with you because those are all about building the arc in microcosm within you and assisting you in that so that you may awaken so that you may become and and self-realize as the highest expression of yourself in the same way that peapod life is there to support nature in achieving its highest expression in the same way that every aspect of the Atlas project is there to help humanity achieve its highest expression and all the different facets of humanity achieve its highest expression. So too, we are here to help you achieve your highest expression. And we will continue to do that. But the doing of it must is in your hands. The being of that expression, the becoming of that highest expression, that is within you and that is within your purview. No one can do it for you. And nothing that we do related to the macrocosm is going to be a substitute for that. 
everyone must do the work. A hen can lay all the eggs that she wants, and those eggs can be fertilized. And they can be incubated. But in the end, each chick must break out of its own egg. Each chick must undergo that struggle to break free out of the darkness and into the light. No one can do it for them. That's their first test, their first struggle. And what doesn't kill us makes us stronger. That's why we struggle. That's why we suffer. Because that is the way, that is the path. So with that, having said all that, and um, we, th we see that there's a comment. Benjamin says, this is a very good enterprise for humanity seeking harmony with nature and himself. I think it is a genius and hope for the next generation. I hope that ears of people will influence uh, with influence and wealth can hear of this so that support can be given. Well, that's what we're working on, trying to make that happen. And so if we can, we, uh, well, we'll see what happens. Um, this is going to be a short session today. We're not going three hours, uh, not least because I'm sure you didn't come here for that anyway, to hear about sea democracy and and sea uh, uh, valuation and all that kind of stuff. Because really, that's pie in the sky, macro, macrocosmic stuff, right? But we wanted you to know that everything that we're doing here, that there is a big picture associated with it. And that we have not abandoned that big picture. On the contrary, It's just that these things take time and we can only act on the information that we've been given. So in the meantime, remember, remember we did the live stream on waiting in the dark and remember in that live stream, we expressed to all of you how uh, we spent at different times in our life, we spent decades waiting for the next whatever it was. And so since the time that we started this live stream back in August, so it's been, what, nine months now, give or take? Um, we've had to go through everything that we've been through and share everything that we shared to you, with you, just to get to this point, just to get to this moment. And we had to go through that whole exercise of believing that we're going to be writing this book over here. Meanwhile, we were actually writing this book over here. And having that return to us with such clarity that 
we now have a direction and an action plan and a way forward. Whereas for quite some time now, we were waiting in the dark. Lost at sea, right? Wandering in the desert. It's, it's always, this is part of the, this is part of the path. We don't always get, you know, the big picture and the big, right? Sometimes we have to go step by step. And that's why living in the moment is so important because we will be, we will receive the little guidance here and there. But everything that we do for you on these live streams in relation to assisting you and supporting you, trying to help you achieve that highest expression of yourself, the awakening and self-realization of your innermost and of your innermost essence, your, the, of the intimate Christ inside of you. It's all about helping you build the ark that's in here. That's this ark. And we wanted to express that whatever befalls this humanity and whenever it befalls this humanity, um, just as we will need an ark to get through, to carry us through the trials and tribulations which are to come, we will need an arch, which is the strongest form of architecture in nature to, to create that, that support, right? Like when they tell you in, the, in, a, in an earthquake, stand in a doorway, right? Because in a doorway, you have much more protection because there's an arch in that doorway. It's going to protect you more from falling debris. But we need that resilience inside. We need, we need that vessel, the solar bodies created inside, transmutation and sexual alchemy, pranayama, the elimination of egos, the liberation of consciousness. And we also need the arch, the Ark of the Covenant. It's our connection to our innermost intimate Christ, self-observation, self-remembering, intuition, meditation, prayer, so that we can become a seed, so that we can earn our place in that ark, so that whatever befalls this humanity either ourselves, or our children, our prodigy, whatever, will earn a place and be chosen to be a seed for the next humanity. And all that is in your hands. All that depends on you. We can support you. 
we can offer you and share with you and answer questions, et cetera. And we can direct you in different different places for more information, et cetera. But you have to be the one to do it, to do the work. And the work that you are doing is that of an arc builder. Make no mistake. That is what you, that is the work. Because if you want to transcend the suffering, if you want to break free once and for all and make it to the land of Canaan, the land of, of milk and honey, you need a vessel to do so. You need a vessel to be able to, tra to traverse the supernal worlds. Does anyone have any questions or any comments or anything that anyone wants to share about their experience of Holy Week or of Easter or anything at all? If not, um, we will... Uh, take this opportunity to thank you for tuning in and um, we hope you'll join us again next week when hopefully we'll have um, between now and then hopefully we'll be inspired to uh, to come up with another topic of practical value in oh Benjamin asks is our body that vessel we're talking about the solar bodies Benjamin, that vessel is this, the monad, right? On the tree of life, Noah's Ark is, this, is the dark brown shape here. That's Kesed Geberah Tipereth. That's the causal body, the buddhic body, and the atmic body. In order to create this vessel, we must create our solar causal body. That's the human soul. So, but in order to do that, first we must create the solar astral body, the solar mental body, and then we can create the solar causal body. So these are all, this all relates to the transmutation of the sexual force. So doing pranayama and sexual alchemy, and it also relates to the elimination of egos the elimination of those psychological aggregates inside of us, egos, which keep our bodies, our metaphysical bodies, mechanical, uh, which keep our metaphysical bodies lunar. And what we need is solar bodies, solar astral, solar mental, solar causal. So in other words, we have to take this trinity, this triangle of the vital body, the astral body, and the mental body, right? And we need to raise this triangle to this level here. There's levels and levels. So at every stage, we're we're taking trinities, triunities, and we are seeking to unite it with the next level above. So that when we accomplish that, we can we have we can create our solar uh, bodies. We can awaken our consciousness. We, have an, we are an enlightened being at that point, and we have created our solar um, causal body, 
we have the vessel to be able to travel the supernal worlds, but we also are enlightened at that point. We are awake. But there's levels and levels because the next level is to unite this body with the Christ. So no, we're not talking about our physical body, although you have to take care of your physical body as well. Because that's, again, it's your physical body, your three-dimensional body is down here in Malkut. Right? But you see where the physical body is here, and you see where the arc that we're talking about up here, around that, around Gnosis, right? we're not talking about the physical body. We're just talking about the metaphysical bodies that relate. I see. Thank you, sir. I watched some Jesus films as my early tradition this Easter. I felt renewed and refreshed internally. Hope you had a great Easter too. Yes, in fact, we did. So we had some family. And um, so, yes, we had, thank you. Thank you for that. We had a, we had a, a good Easter, but mostly we had a, um, a powerful Holy week and leading up to Easter and the realizations that came from all of that and the renewed, the renewal, the renewed sense of purpose. Winter has ended and uh, uh, the winter of our discontent is over. And, and thank God we have beautiful weather here as well and warm temperatures. So, so it really, we do really do feel like um, of, on get, getting on with it now, right? When we have the direction, we have the information, we have the plan. So now it's about making it a reality. Does anybody else have any questions or comments or anything you'd like to share before we uh, uh, sign off for another day and another week? So thank you for tuning in. And um, Oh, Jennifer says, thank you for your dedication to humanity. The Atlas Project and everything you are involved with brings me hope for me and all those looking for direction during the Kali Yuga. We do, we do our best. And again, we hope and we pray that with this current strategy and this current plan that we've been given to execute, that that it's going to result in some um, practical financial support coming our way because we have to be practical. And, and the problem has been that um, it's it's been very, very, very difficult and very trying and very testing to commit ourselves fully and completely to the Atlas Project on faith. And now inflation is going you know inflation is happening everywhere all these like lots of things are happening and we we have been given this plan hopefully our understanding of it is that this will will open up a door for us to now a new level of practicality to begin flowing into our life meaning meaning gainful income so something that we can we can live on and that's something that we can use to outsource some work to hire some help um, so that we can start building a team around ourselves 
because this is so much bigger than just one person. We're just the we're just the visionary. We're we're just the messenger. All right. We brought we can bring the the vision into the world, but 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 that's but you know we can't build the pea pods, right? We we have to build the coalition, the partnership, the the consortium of like-minded, like-hearted individuals and organizations who are going to be drawn to the light. And then together we can we can work together and, and see it realized. So we hope and pray that this spring and this Easter represents the, the germination and the, the, the next level of that, of making that a reality. But thank you, Jennifer, for that comment. Anyone else? Uh, anyone else have anything to share or ask or anything at all? All right, then. We, uh, whoops, I just realized, sometimes we don't, we're paying attention, we're not paying attention to how big or how small we are on the screen. All right, we are going to um, bid you farewell. We uh, hope that you have a good week and that you continue working on your practices, self-observation, self-remembering, meditation, transformation of impressions. And um, we, will, we will see you next week. So until then, inverential peace. Look, that's, that's we, we, we meant to do this, not this. This is, this is Spock's greeting. <laughs> so, okay, live long and prosper and inverential peace. All right. Have a wonderful week.